What's up, folks? Welcome to TNG. My name is Richard, or welcome to That Next Game. My name is Richard, and as always, we're here to discuss, well, what is that next game? And currently, I've been doing my Metroid Dread playthrough, and, well, after we've got ourselves a nice hot drink, because it is damn cold in the UK today, we're going to be talking about my experience with it. We're going to go into it. We're going to carry on our part two. But unfortunately, things will be a little bit different in this episode. So do stick around. As I said, grab those hot drinks and let's talk Metroid Dread. So as I said in the intro, things are a little bit different. I kind of went into this episode a little bit back crazy. I wanted to always kind of plot out and talk about my experience with playing games, but kind of failed miserably when doing this game. Let me kind of roll back. I kind of explained a little bit in the last episode, um, but this show is about me completing those games, getting them games done, and then documenting them, talking about them and those kind of things. With Metroid Dread being released on the 8th of October, I didn't write any notes. I didn't put anything together to really help me coherently talk about my experience with this game. And I've learned that. Going forward, as of the next game that gets put on the list of playing games, notes will be taken. And even if they're just bullet pointed, a bit more structure will come of this podcast. I have no notes here. I do like to talk freely, but... I won't lose the free-flowing speech. It'll be just so I've got some bullet points of where I got to in my playthroughs. And that goes for this second part. Unfortunately, I'm not going to do what I had intended because I've completed the game. I don't know why I've labelled that as unfortunate. Completing the game for me is now near nigh impossible. I never complete a game, but this one I did. I got absolutely hooked to Metroid Dread and couldn't put it down. And didn't want to stop to even consider making notes because the game for me was that good. This is going to be a continuation of part one which was released as I said last week. But also it's going to be a kind of a continuation, a kind of review if you like of the game itself from a new player's perspective. We have to bear in mind of this. I have never played a single Metroid game. I've not even played a Castlevania game let alone metroidvanias i've played roguelikes that fit that bill slightly so like dead cells and those kind of games but they have that roguelike element of when you die you go back you start again this is metroidvania or metroid style gaming in its purest form and i also want to talk about how that experience made me feel about the genre that i've never really touched story-wise don't worry i won't be really spoiling much i'll talk about the ending but it doesn't really mean much to me because I don't understand the Metroid law. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm certain of this, the Metroid law is thick in, you know, all the good stuff if you want a good story, if you've been playing it for the last 30 years. So without further ado and much more rabbiting on, let's talk about from where I got to last time to completing the game and wrapping it up in a nice little bow all about Metroid Dread. I think in the previous episode, I got to talking about my fight with Cade Krag. I can't pronounce his name. I'm useless with names. Which I talked about how you can sequence break that fight when you uh, collected the, the morph bo ball bombs early. 
Morphball bombs. Morphball bombs, they are. That's what they're called. Uh, they are definitely called that. I just couldn't think. So that's where I'd got to. And let's be honest, this is what happened since then. I'd got the flash shift, speed booster, grapple beam. I got the grapple beam early. I'd got uh, the super missile, super missiles, plasma beam, spin boost, ice missiles, storm rockets, and uh, space jump, gravity suit, obtained a screw attack, got myself the cross bomb, uh, got the wave beam, and got myself the power bomb, and then I defeat the final boss. There was a lot going on in that second half. And for me, what I wanted to do was I wanted to find a point where I could stop take kind of stock of what I'd experienced and then kind of do another episode and then go from there. That didn't quite come off. That didn't come to fruition, as you can tell, because I'm doing it all in this one episode and kind of just getting my thoughts and everything out on the table right now. The reason it didn't come to fruition is because I was addicted. Genuinely had really suckered me in. This game was absolutely a joy. It really was a joy to experience, a joy to play. And I loved every second of it. Uh, the game runtime for me was roughly nearly 12 hours. About 40 minutes to 60 minutes, or nearly an hour, if you like, was spent on, or the last was spent on the final boss. And we'll we'll get to the final boss shortly. But upon, you know, from the, the last episode, defeating that boss, Craig, we, we had to still power up enough to get us through to that final fight. All the time you're being told by Adam that you're not powerful enough to take on this, that and the other. And that is the idea of the game. I understand why people love this style of gaming. Sorry if this is a bit all over the place. Again, no notes. So now that I've finished making excuses myself, let's actually talk about the damn game. And like I said in the first episode... Uh, technically, this game is marvellous. It runs flawlessly on Switch. I did, again, play it on a 1440p monitor, 4K telly. It doesn't matter. It's still, you know, producing at 1080, 60, I believe, uh, when in docked mode. And then I believe it's 720, 60 uh, when handheld. This gameplay is smooth. Like, graphically, it's stunning. Gameplay-wise, it's smooth as butter. And that's what you want from a game like this. The movement is one of the biggest things that drew me in to Metroid Dread. It's unbelievable. There, there's something really satisfying about this game when you slide along the floor or you slide under an object. The way she, you know, the way Samus moves, the way Samus puts her hand on a rock before she gets in, you know, and morphs into the ball or something like that. Those little attention to details are really, really smart. And not just that, Samus looks incredible graphically like the suit pops and i've og switch here and i can imagine it's going to look absolutely smashing on the um the oled switches as well i would love to see a switch with 4k capability well not even 4k capability i just love to see it be able to pop out you know 1080p or 1440p game, you know, footage, because I think this game would really look great at 1440p scale. That being said, I did notice the odd stutter here or there during loading, loading screens, like in elevators and things like that, but it was minimal. It was never really when there was action on screen. I didn't notice any slowdown during bosses. The only slowdown was my brain trying to keep up with some of the boss's moves. That was the only slowdown I experienced, but there was, in general, 
nothing that made me go, well, this is really breaking the flow of the game because of this issue or that issue. I didn't notice any game-breaking bugs. Technically, this game is flawless. The developers have done an amazing job, and they really did bring you know, Metroid to a brand new audience. And from what they're talking about in sales, this game has sold in its thousands. It's one of the biggest selling Metroid games in Japan, which is incredible. You know, you're going to have a whole host of new players playing this game. And this Metroid, let me tell you, isn't easy. It pulls no punches. It makes you suffer. It genuinely does. But actually in a good way but i think the difficulty will turn people off uh you know it is not an easy game and 12 hours seems to be the average of completion time which is quite nice in this day and age when we're surrounded by games that are two three four hundred hours long having a game completed in 12 hours is a nice experience so more about the kind of gameplay and the difficultiness because i really think that's going to be one of the big talking points on the back of this game metroid dread in the beginning is is brutal there is no um in the beginning of it there is no kind of selection mode you get normal mode and away you go you can go through it as fast as slow as you want speedrunners are breaking the game now as much as they can or you can take your time and you could 100 everything in your first run if you're prepared to look at every nook and cranny the corners and everything else that goes with it i didn't get 100 items I got about 56%, I think, very precise. It was between 50 and 60% of the items done in my first playthrough, which then entails you to get hard mode. I haven't tried hard mode yet, and quite frankly, I'm just getting over the fact that I beat a game, and that's enough for me at the minute, because I never complete games. And I keep alluding to that, because I'm useless when it comes to completing games. So that being said, as a, you know, it's difficult. I mean, the game doesn't even give you the fact that you can wall jump as a tutorial. This game expects you to know how to play Metroid or a Metroidvania. They, that, that's what they're expecting from this. But I also think it's the best game, probably, if you're a new person. And why do I say that? Because I'm new to the series and I freaking loved it. It's as simple as that. The game, as I said, the movement is so intuitive. The... The bouncing off walls is great. Everything feels really, really solid to allow you to really get the best out of this experience. And I think that on its own is enough to draw new players in. Some won't like the difficulty curve because it does kind of start difficult. Then you get to a point where you're kind of powering up. And then all of a sudden it gets more difficult again. And then you become this badass Samus towards the end of it. And it's absolutely like, yep. I got this. I've just punched my microphone, which is great. So sorry if anybody's ears just got blown out. Hopefully I edit that out in post. So like overall, I think in review terms, gameplay, graphics, all that good stuff, it's top notch. It's unbelievable. It runs so well on the Switch. It does everything we want it to do. For me, it's probably one of my game of the year contenders. It really has got that feel. It's game of the year feel. Um, and you can play this game two or three times through and not get bored. The enemy design is great. They come at you with different attacks and so on. Um, the Emmy encounters, which we'll get to in a bit more detail shortly, are you know fun the first few times. And they do get a little bit repetitive, but they hold their place, which breaks up that constant monotony of tra backtracking and going through different places. It does break it up a lot. And I think 
Also, part of the difficulty spike is getting used to the fact that you will back backtrack. Veteran players to this kind of series will know that you'll go from A to B, back to A to C to A to B, and you'll kind of circle around yourself a lot. And this world, ZDR, is huge in the sense of it might not look huge, but it feels huge. It feels like you're, you're, you know, you could get lost. And I spent countless, you know, hours trying to understand my way through the different levels and with a game like this that's okay it's okay to feel lost uh, a little bit all over the place it's just one of those things you kind of get used to with metroid or or what i came to realize is that backtracking is a thing and i know i labeled it as monotonous earlier but it's very much part of the game it's part of the dna that you would get one item later down the line that's going to help you get through another part of an area that you'd seen or remembered from an earlier part of the playthrough. And that's kind of what happened to me through this kind of second section of the game, running up to that final boss fight, is I was going from A to B, back to A, then to C, and then left, right, up, down, all over the place. And But what it was doing was allowing me to see Samus get stronger and stronger, and you knew at some point you were going to be able to kick the boss's backsides. That being said, no matter how much power you get, you're still not good enough for the Emmys. So let's talk about those Emmy fights. And I said I would, I would come to them, and I'm going to here. This is all about the Emmy fights, so be warned. The first Emmy you come up to against, and I explained it in the first episode, I'll go over them all now, is, is a broken Emmy. It kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. It's been battered, beaten up. I expect it's been beaten up by the the people on the, or the, the monsters that are on the planet. Uh, remember, these Emmys were sent uh, by the people that send you to try and understand or try and uh, er eradicate Parasite X. That's the idea behind the Emmys, and they've gone rogue. So the first one, broken, beaten up, battered, but you go and touch this weird brain-eye-looking thing, and you get the ability to turn your arm cannon into a, a Mega Blaster. One thing I do wonder is how is this part of the suit or is it Samus's hand? I need to understand how and why Samus has one hand and then a cannon for the other. But anyway, your cannon turns into that Omega Blaster and then you can blast the crap out of these Emmys. But as I say the first one is really slow. It lulls you into this false sense of security that everything's going to be all right. You kind of think to yourself, well, that was easy. There's seven more to go because or six more to go, and. Um, yeah, if that's the first one's like that, then the rest of them should be all good. But they're not. The second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, the fifth, and the sixth all have powers. So when you beat an Emmy, you get their power. Some of them, one of them has the gravity suit, um, the morph ball, and this, that, and the other. And they basically help you progress through those next stages of the game. And um, they are tense like real intense encounters, the music changes, you go through these pixelized doors, um, which are Emmy zones, and they don't come out of those Emmy zones, they only wander around in these areas, but they can go up walls, down walls, either side, through water, they do move slow, which is great to see that they've added that kind of physics-based uh, thing, physics-based system into the, the game, where the Emmys go into water, you move slow along with the Emmys. And these have, I think I've alluded to already, a parry system. So the parry system in the game is represented by like a flash of light that when an enemy is making its move, 
normal enemies, elite enemies, em, any emmy enemies, well, all do this kind of parry. And I think from the emmys, it's all very random. There's no set pattern where the normal enemies in the game, you can pretty much run up to them once you understand their pattern of movement. You can guarantee that you'll parry them very quickly and very early on, not without without a problem. So that's kind of the parry system. And there's two chances to parry the Emmys. I only ever really managed to get the first one. It's when they grab you. The second one is when the, the head opens and a spike. It's a really brutal death, actually. I think I went over this in the first, first episode of Metroid. It is really brutal. Genuinely, really, really brutal. And they, they can they can instant kill you. Um, these encounters do become a little bit OTT over the time. Um, of course, you play through. The last one is really strange. Because I remember going through the pixelated room. And then it just gets absolutely walloped. Like, it gets crucified. Um, you meet one that's then frozen. Again, I don't understand the story. And you meet a Chozo who kind of explains different bits and pieces. And then... At that point, that's kind of the third of the game where things really start picking up. You know, uh, I've, I've said already about that. The boss fights. I want to talk about the boss fights because some of these are really good. I can't remember the boss fights' names off by heart. And again, bad me for not writing notes about this playthrough. Um, you'll be pleased to hear for the next the next game, which we'll get to uh, at the end of the show. Um, I have done my notes, or I'm doing my notes. But the boss fights, um, I'm going to find a list. Because of how professional I am, I found a list. Um, and the bosses are Corpius, Craig, Crad, Robot, Chuzo, Chuzo Soldier, Chuzo, Chozo, uh, Drogyaga. I can't pronounce these names. I even thought of these names. Uh, Chozo Soldier again, Askew, Twin Robot, Chozo Soldier, Experiment Number Z57, uh, Golzuna, and then Raven Beak. Um, and I have to say, the boss design was really cool. The robot, the actual Chozo soldiers and the those ones, they came, uh, they, once you defeated one of them, they became quite easy in the sense of understanding their patterns and understanding their movements and how they destroy and how they kill and how they attack. The elite uh, soldiers, as you got through, did get uh, infested with the Parasite X. So they had like a Parasite form once you'd done enough damage. One of the core mechanics with uh, the some of the elite soldiers is that you could um, parry and then grapple and pull the shield away and destroy the shield, which gave you some health and some rockets back. And what I was finding myself is I'd go into a fight and you'd spend two or three times understanding, learning the patterns and that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden you would start picking you know apart the fight in the in the best possible way. I think it's great. I think. Um, the best comparison, these boss fights, are something like um, Dark Souls. It's a Dark Souls kind of system. Where in Dark Souls, you're looking for patterns. You're looking for, you know, those those points of memory uh, to tap into that muscle memory to understand how bosses work, so on. And, you know, Dark Souls is one of my favorite series that I've I've never completed. Um, I, I, I will. I will. I'll add it to the list of games here on uh, that next game. And I think um, one of my favorite boss fights actually was the final fight with Ravenbeak. It, it, you had this kind of story moment, and I'm really gutted I didn't understand that story moment because I feel like that was kind of a jaw drop. Um, I saw videos after um, after I'd finished where people were talking about this ending in this game. The fact that, you know, it says that Samus will return in another mission is cool. 
Um, hopefully we'll see, you know, a 3D Metroid. Hopefully we get another 2D Metroid. I really enjoyed this. But that final fight with Ravenbeak, which took me nearly an hour uh, to crack. We did it live on stream, just this fight. And it really did take me time. Once I understood the first phase, because there was three phases in this fight. Once I got my head around that, it was, the first phase was nice and simple. You know, you were, you couldn't, you couldn't damage him. You couldn't hurt him at all unless you parried him. And he would do this attack where he would kind of jump up. Um, he had different attacks. So he had one where he shot out like a big gravity matter ball thing, which hurt you if it hit you. Um, and you could destroy that, get some health back, some rockets. He would do uh, a pound, a ground pound. He would do like a, 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 attack where he jumped and sprung off the wall and hit you and then he would do like a superman punch uh not the roman Reigns style superman punch but he would do this kind of punch motion where all of a sudden he you'd see a, a a parry symbol and it took my brain so long to understand actually right i had to parry now it's almost like you're parrying just as he leaves the you know it's the platform the wall or where he's bouncing off to go for you and it was that kind of like, oh, now, parry now. And then once my brain kind of tuned into that, the first phase was easy. You would jump up over him or you would use your flash, uh, flash shift to go around him, that kind of stuff. Just it became it became about memory and understanding uh, that first phase. Same with the second phase. He then got wings uh, and was flying. And he had, you know, a ground pound and he had different attacks like that. But he also had one of the most annoying attacks, which was he sent out a, a laser from his arm cannon. And from this laser, he would fire repeatedly bullets. And that was the one thing that kept killing me in phase two. Was everything else you could kind of see, mirror, you could, you know, not mirror, but you could get away from. But this thing, you really had to move, phase shift and jump up and down. And I'm pretty sure the controllers that I was using, my Joy-Con, and even the 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 controller, Power A controller I've got, the Animal Crossing one. My jump button, for some reason, maybe it was just me, didn't feel like it was working sometimes. I was constantly pressing it, I was pressing it hard. Because with the jump, with when you've got the spin spin uh, attack power up, um, and the, the gravity suit and this different combinations, you could kind of bounce through the air, which is great. But you actually had to, I think you had to time your jumps correctly. So you had to kind of do it as you were then starting to come down uh, after you've jumped up you would then come on the down you'd be able to jump up and kind of you know make make the m shape in the middle of the air but i got there and then phase two just became a, a you know a, a dps check is the best way to describe it you would literally fire rockets into him as, as hard and as fast as you could and you got this then cut scene of him his wing or samus dodging the attack and then shooting one of his wings off, and he would literally rip. And the sound, the sound design in this game was was great. But you could literally hear him tear this wing out of his back, and it was like, Bleh! you know, it was a bit like that was that's nasty. And then the final phase is basically him, you know, doing everything apart from flying, and you could hit him with with everything. But you were looking for that parry again, the same parry as phase one. That's what you were looking for. You were trying to basically push that parry back and then you could attack him and then he turned into like a giant parasite thing which you destroyed and like the last two minutes like it hadn't even finished the last two to three minutes you are racing to get off his ship 
and racing to literally get to your ship to do one from ZDR because it's going to blow up. And it was like, oh my God. And the first couple of times I kept dying at the same place and it was just like, this is really frustrating. I've just spent, you know, nearly 12 hours to get to this point. Why am I having to run like a lunatic? But at the end of that, Samus is like infected with the Parasite X um, and it the the cannon that, she, that she's got is ridiculous. It's so overpowered. It just fires, you know, everywhere. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know kind of what the armor style is. It's almost like uh, an animal style armor that she's got. And it's kind of like completely powered up. And as you jump in the ship, um, one of the Chozos that gets killed earlier, that seems to be a friendly one, that stops one of the Emmys, um, pops up out of nowhere. And you think, oh my God, because he gets infected by the parasite. But he, when he got infected, he turned the Emmy back on. But at this point, Samus was going to blast him, but managed to reverse Samus's, because if Samus had used the ship at the point, Samus would have blown up. But it was almost like that he was there just to help pull the Parasite X out of Samus. And then, you know, in the ship, planet goes boom, Samus gets away. And then you're giving your time and, you know, Samus will return in the next mission kind of thing. And it was a really nice sense of achievement that I'd actually complete the game. One of the other bosses that I found really difficult was Eskew. Eskew? Eskew. Um, found that one really difficult uh, because some of these, this was like a winged beetle thing that had like lightning shock. And I think I actually uh, spent a lot of time on this. This is where you got the storm missile for, uh, from. You had to avoid the purple energy attacks. Um, you had to shoot the uh, with the missiles. Uh, when the electricity surrounding askew was was gone so it had this kind of shield of electricity and i couldn't i was like oh, hang on a minute and then realized that i couldn't damage the beetle wing beetle thing when it had the electricity around it but once the electricity had gone i was like yep got it and then you know it would then um like come at you and you're like oh. and it was just one of those battles that just seemed to drag on uh, but i found out you could skip it but also, there was you have an ability uh, which I learned called Sp uh, Shine Spark, where you. I kept seeing this online, kept pe hearing people talk about uh, Shine Sparking. I was like, "What is it?" Realized when you got the speed boost, you could run and then you could press down, and you would turn purple. And the first time I did, I was like, "Well, hang on, a minute. I didn't even realize this was a thing." And it gives you like loads of energy that you can either put into a, a, an enemy, or you could destroy a load of blocks and stuff like that. And I didn't didn't realize it was a thing until i'd seen online what shine sparking is and i think from what i've read and what i've seen now that i complete the game a lot of people use this to defeat bosses pretty quickly um and you know get from area to area really really quickly the great thing about this is as i said the developers had thought of you know there are people out there going to sequence break the game so you had that alternative cutscene with craig where you could literally morph ball and bomb inside the stomach uh, as long as you've got enough health pieces and I like these kind of little touches to a game. Really, really do. I think that's um, overall a great experience if you want to just go off the beaten path. The game is very linear. It is extremely linear and it is designed and set up for you to go from A to B to C to D to the end. And you can follow that path. But if you are curious and you have that kind of curiosity about you, you can come off that path. And that is one of the most enjoyable things about this. You can go down the linear path or you can you can sequence break. And I did. I, I found, 
you know, I found some certain power-ups early, which I thought was an incredible thing. I actually thought I was going the right way, you know, on the, the beaten path, if you like, but realized I'd actually sequence broke the game and not realized um, until I was, you know, reading some bits and pieces on Reddit and stuff. And I was like, oh, I've already done that. And it was a great kind of feeling. So I think, I don't because I, I haven't written many notes and I've been quite bad at writing the notes for this one. I got sucked in. It's not bad. It's just I got sucked into the game and, you know, didn't at the time realize that's how I want to do the content for the show. Now I do. Because playing Metroid, you know, made me realize it's okay to play one game. Play one game and complete it. And I've got many games in my backlog. And we're slowly putting together a spreadsheet which, you know, has all my games and some data there that I want to go over from time to time and stuff like that. And I'll explain all of it in the first episode of the next episode of that next game, which is all about the next game. But I'll announce that game. There's a lot of that next game uh, in that that part shortly. But to kind of summarize Metroid Dread, Metroid Dread has made me want to play older Metroids. I know they won't be as slick and as smooth and bits and pieces as wonderful as this Metroid. But not only that, is it's reignited my love to just get a game completed sit down, play it, and enjoy it. Metroid Dread, um, I don't know how I'm going to cap these off to to review it, but it's a game of the year contender. Um, seriously, without a shadow of a doubt, it's a game of the year contender for me. Um, and I give it a massive thumbs up. It's worth a buy. Go out and, and do it. Go out and support the developers because they really do, I think it's Mercury Systems, really deserve it uh, because this is a, a really wonderful um game with a lot going for it and a lot good about it i as a new player to metroid dread or to any metroid game thoroughly enjoyed myself sitting down for 12 hours i didn't do it 12 hours straight but sitting down for those 12 hours and just playing the damn game it was unbelievable so massive thumbs up it's worth a buy gets my seal of approval for whatever that is worth so yeah I would love to know from you guys and girls if you've been playing Metroid Dread, if you've completed it, or if you're just starting. You know, if you're just starting and you've listened to this podcast, I'm really sorry, but, you know, massive spoilers. Um, but what do you expect? It's going to be one of those kind of shows that's going to spoil everything. But anyway, I'll, um, yeah, that's that's the wrap-up for Metroid Dread. Thumbs up, worth a buy, and uh, I'll tell you how to get in contact with the show shortly. So, some of you may have seen on Twitter that I've already announced the next game for the show, and I, well, I've got a, a long one. So, I've got a long one, a long, a long game to try and complete, and it's a game that I've had a severe love-hate relationship with, and I'm going to go into that more in the first episode, um, more detail, everything like that. But the next game up on that next game is Fire Emblem uh, three houses it's a game that was released in 2019 and i'm going to try and get through it and complete it so the first episode will be out uh next week and yeah you'll see how i'm getting on with it and everything else but for now that is the end of the show so thank you for joining me i really appreciate it if you've enjoyed the show please subscribe to it we're on good pods now uh good pods is an app i just want to give it a shout out um i was told about good pods by some wonderful podcasters that i'm part of a group and they're really really wonderful quit the build is is the people that are directing me to it and we're on good pods so go and um go and say hello to us i'm on there you can follow me you can chat to me it's um if you look for at tng that's me uh, my podcast is on there which is really really cool 
and uh, yeah, you can you can grab it and you can come and have a listen to it. You can get in contact with me over there. I just want to shout out the app. I'm not sponsored by Good Pods. I'm going to shout the app out pretty much at the beginning of every show. We are available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. So thank you very much for joining me, and we'll see you on the next one. Oh, you can get in contact with me at ZAPPDCED at hotmail.com. Thank you.